0: Bye. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lacadaisical Liberal Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cube My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lacadaisical Liberal Today, within the Liberal my friends. It's TV Tuesday. Yes, combining the best of television and Tuesdays into one podcast. Love, Lovely. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers most likely. So, I do that to cover my ass. Like, so much underwear. So, so much underwear. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million (laughs) dollars. No. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes because that is what helps others find the podcast. Those things. Hmm. So why not do it? I can't think of a reason. And... You should not try to think of one because we don't have time or reason within the liberal cube today. No, no, no. We have to hop right in to television, of course, after today's sponsor, which is the Adama and Hanks Bible Study Camp and Snake Hibernacula. Once again, today's sponsor is the Adama and Hanks Bible Study Camp and Snake hibernaculum. Item the first is Dexter Season 6, Episode uh, As they say in France and Quebec. Uh, Means one, if you are unfamiliar with the French language. Uh, I have, since the dawn of time, <laughs> I suppose that is accurate, um, every time I've watched Dexter, the misses and I, brought back to the Liberal Cube, at least the first couple of episodes, sometimes pick-and-choose episodes, sometimes bring back the last episodes, but always, always, always the first episode of each season I will bring back, and that is what I have done here. And then sort of I just play by ear that if shit goes down that is awesome that I have to talk about, I will potentially bring it back. Alright, that is sort of my Dexter theory, so far, so good, question mark. Mm, let me know. what you think. Hey, why not? Audience participation. I aim for that sometimes. You can email me to the address provided in the closing credits or tweet at me. I am Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. Haha, <laughs> yeah. Audience participation completed. So, Dexter Season 6. I have very, very high hopes for this season. Just from the first episode first episode in which we are introduced to what, I cannot sort of tell if this was 100% accurate, but I get the feeling that it is potentially a father and son killing team. What? That's a good idea. I always try to, I always think how do they top what they did last season, and this has some serious potential. So, the fact that the f- uh, I'm just gonna call it Father and Son because that is how I am picturing it after one episode is played by uh, Edward James Olmos, who you may know as Admiral Goddamn Adama from Battlestar Galactica was at Battlestar Galactica before I started the podcast. I do believe that I watched him. pretty sure. And Colin Hanks, Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks's son. Uh, I've never I've never seen him in anything and not liked him. However, that being said, it's kind of hard to picture him as a uh, burgeoning, virgin serial killer. But hey, maybe that's a good way to go, sort of uh, against type. They've only, so far, as this is episode one, I think this is their first murder together, uh, murdered a fruit vendor, because goddamn fruit, am I right? Yeah, take that fruit. Maybe they're anti-fruit. And uh, right before the murder occurred, uh, Colin Hanks was muttering some uh, Bible quotations. Which, to me, because of my let's just say flat-out dislike of organized religion, adds that extra layer of dislike to these to these killers. <laughs> that they are at least I believe so far going to be religious nuts. Is there any other kind of religious person than a nut? No, but these perhaps taking it slightly farther than some religious nuts. Wow, really uh, got on to my uh, anti-religious stance on that one, which I did not plan, but sometimes it just oozes out. I cannot help myself. Something they did to this fruit vendor is cut out all his guts, uh-huh, as you do, put his guts in the scale that he used to uh, weigh his fruit. Mm-hmm, yes, step two, you that's the usual. And then put within the cavity that was now present in his chest with his guts removed, seven snakes. Seven snakes sewed up his chest and then threw him in the water where he was discovered by the police. Because Dexter works with the police. Hey, he is a blood spatter expert. This season, I think, takes place somewhat, perhaps even a year later than the previous season. LaGuerta, who is sort of the head of uh, Miami Homicide, she has just been promoted, so has Batista to, I guess, head of Homicide, so everyone sort of has moved up a little bit. They are also divorced. Uh, I think I've spoke of, quite often when I speak of Dexter, that Sometimes the sort of additional stories, such as La Guerta and Batista, feel uh, a little tacked on and not really completely necessary to the television show. Uh, I guess you have to have story A and story B, but sometimes it feels like it's a struggle for the writers to get it in there. That being said, The Misses and I, huge, huge Batista fans, because... We enjoy very, very much making fun of his accent. <laughs> uh, for example, it's, it's me, Batista. We, we got a call from Anton Blakes. There's been a wobbly. We got to go stop it. Because he talks similar to that. And it is goddamn hilarious. Especially when he's trying to be serious. That's the, that's, that's the funniest time. Dexter is enrolling his son in his very first school and has decided to go with a Catholic school because it is supposedly very, very good. Uh, People tend to go on to Ivy League educations who go to this uh, friggin' day school when they're toddlers. I don't know how they've proven that, but I suppose they can. So I think that's going to possibly come into play, the fact that his son is now attending a Catholic school combined with that the serial killers are religious in some sense. Lastly, as Dexter does, they will sort of have one season uber bad guys, like, as I like to call them, and that is Odama, or Adama, <laughs> that is Olmos and Hank's, whereas each individual episode will quite often have a smaller bad guy. In this case, it was someone Dexter went to high school with, which I was kind of surprised, just for the reason that he tries to not kill people that he has any connection with, because that will get you caught, and he's normally much more careful than that. However, this guy killed his wife, his wife who, during Dexter's high school years, was one of the very few people who was ever nice to him, because he was, as you can imagine, a bit of a freak. So he uh, decided to combine revenge with his high school reunion. Uh, Dexter, at his high school reunion, is probably, and I think the missus would agree, the funniest funniest happenings of any Dexter episode so far, up into season six. (laughs) I recommend season six, Episode 1, just for the fact to see Dexter at his high school reading and the fact that, because he'd sort of been in the news and he has kind of a cool job, he finds himself popular. Popular for the first time. And he, after sort of the advice of his, let's just say ghost dad, because that's funny, decides to enjoy it a little bit. Gets his dance on. I was expecting him, and would have lost my shit if he hadn't done the old... Point, point at somebody and do the gun, the, you know what I mean? Okay. So let's leave it at that. Dexter doing the old point and gun finger thing. Yeah, because that's funny to picture. Moving on to television show The Second. I have three today. BTW, by the way. This one is The Office. Yeah, The Misses and I have restarted our watching after a quite long hiatus of Season 9. We watched Episode 3 and 4. 3 and 4. In episode (laughs) 3... Episode 3 started off with a scene that, as soon as it happened, The Misses and I were like, Why did we put a hiatus on watching this? Because this is goddamn the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, If you are unfamiliar with the show, which would be sort of surprising, I think Jim, Jim Halpert, will will play practical jokes on Dwight, Dwight Schrute. (laughs) This was one of the best jokes he had ever played, and that was, he had a doctor's appointment, so he couldn't come in, so he had an actor buddy, an Asian actor buddy, come in and pretend to be him. So he would sit down, sort of next to Dwight, as he does every day. And Dwight was saying things along the lines, Who are you? What are you doing here? And the Asian gentleman would say things like, What do you mean? It's me, Jim. What are you talking about? You know, kudos to you that you don't notice race, but I've always been Asian. <laughs> uh, they, they went so far as to have Pam come in, give him a kiss on the lips. Uh, Dwight, obviously, as proof, grabs a picture of Jim off his desk to show that he is in fact not Asian, and they went so far as to doctor up a picture where it is Pam, this Asian Jim, and a couple of half-Asian babies <laughs> in the picture. Oh, God, laugh so, so hard. So, yeah, that was the funniest part of the episode, the first friggin' three minutes of it. But uh, other funny things happen as well, as they do. For example, shit, I didn't write down her name and I always forget it, but the way I think of her is as the doctor the former Doctor Who companion, she looked into the sort of uh, family tree of Andy. Andy, who's now running the show in Season 9. He's the boss, man. Rather than do this for real, she sort of uh, made it up a little bit. (laughs) Went so far as to tell Andy that he had a distant relationship, relation to Michelle Obama. (laughs) At first, he was very pleased with this news as he's sort of political, I guess. Sure. However... It was quickly decided by the office that the only real way that he could be related to Michelle Obama is if his parents, not his parents, his further back relations owned slaves. Hmm. Yes. Well, that makes logical sense. So then everyone, like, hated him. (laughs) Before he sort of put two and two together and figured this out, he'd come out and everyone was not working And he'd do the, get back to work, which, which, as a potential former relative slave owner, is not something you want to do. No, sorry, Bob. This episode also sort of furthered the story of Jim having a job offer in Philadelphia. He has finally told Pam. Pam took it well on the outside. However, they did one of those little interviews after, as they do on the show and she was upset that he didn't tell him. So that's kind of where they is at. Uh, will it explode in a fiery divorce? Probably not. I can't see. These two are too perfect together, really. Which takes us to episode four of season nine, in which Jim is on a mission to, I don't think, make it up to pan, but just to do super, super nice things for her because... He believes she is the nicest, most understanding wife ever. However, I got news for you, Jim. That is my wife. My wife! AKA the Mrs. She, however, does not listen to this podcast, so will not hear me say that nice thing about her. Damn her to heck. This episode starts off with them measuring the office because apparently, and I don't know how accurate this is scientifically, which I always sort of go to for some reason. Look for scientific accuracy in my half-hour-long comedies, of course. Uh, the wires within the building that this office is located are not sort of uh, shielded, not um, insulated, so they're given off a lot of uh, EM, electromagnetic electrics. Mm. Because Dwight now owns the building, Jim sort of forces him through trickery to do something about it. He believes that if he does this, he will get a week off, a paid week off. However, Dwight is not so easily fooled and brings in the work bus, which is a bus you can rent, uh, filled with tiny little cubicle desk-almost things where computers and uncomfortable chairs are located that the entire office can cram into and do work. Huh. Does that exist? A work bus? I don't know. Jim, Jim is upset that his plan has been foiled, uh, upset further that he was doing it in order to get Pam something that she desired, which was a paid week off. Now he decides that the only thing to make it up to Pam is to take the work bus and to a pie shop far away and get some delicious pie. To get delicious pies is the story of this episode. A pie trip, if you will. There is various chanting of pies, 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 pies. Uh, I think the highlight of this episode for me was, uh, I've mentioned most times, a lot of times, when I talk about The Office that my favorite character is Creed. So as driving to this pie shop, they see a hitchhiker. The hitchhiker is, turns out to be, Mr. Creed Bratton. Creed Bratton, who then hops in the bus, and, and before looking at everyone, says, Oh, man, thanks for picking me up. I was playing hooky from work, and then he sort of gazes and finds that his entire work is within this bus. <laughs> the look on his face was priceless. Well, perhaps you could put a price tag on it, but it would be very, very high. Hmm. Folks, I'm at work. So, I'm going to stop talking. Well, I'm probably going to talk in work, because part of my job involves talking, so, you know, there's that. However, I have one television show, and I will just say, as a sort of tease, prepare to get your hearts warmed, because I will be back in eight hours to talk about it. Yeah. Of course, I should say, though, love you, dearies. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your back! We are back! We are back! We are back! Back! Back. We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Oh, I went high on that one. Normally I go low. Decided to go high on that one. Immediately regretted it. Welcome back. Although for you to say welcome back may not make sense to me. It does because I have done eight hours and change of work. (sighs) And I'm dog-tired and in pain. Gonna sleep good tonight. That concludes Jordan's Anything But TV Talk. From now on, Nothing But TV Talk, probably, most likely. We will see. You never know. Item the third is a television program by the title of The Undateables. The, followed by the word Undateables. Are people out there datables? I suppose so. These would be, I guess, the uh, the opposite of that. <coughs> Belchers, for example. You do not want to date them. Uh-oh. Just drove by an entire field full of cows lying down, so you know what that means. They're tired. Or, some people believe that it is going to rain, and it is dark out. It is 15 degrees. That is pretty goddamn cold. Something strange is going on. 15 degrees in August. Even though this is Canada, is very, very strange. And things are brewing that uh, will come about in a storm of some sort. I can guarantee it. Thus concludes Jordan's work talk. I said no more non-TV talk. However, the cows... Ah, the cows. Uh, Yes, that is my explanation. Cows. Next time someone asks you for your explanation for doing something, just say cows, and look at the look on their face. It will be akin to a dull stare emitted from a dairy cow. Undateables, yes. What was I going to say? This is sort of, for me, the heartwarming portion of this podcast, because I'm fairly certain I've brought the show back before. What it is, is, uh, takes place in Great Britain, specifically, I think, everyone I've seen sort of in and around London, for the most part, and it is a reality-slash-documentary- about a dating service, or I think perhaps more accurately, a series of dating services within this area that either will cater or primarily cater to people with quote-unquote learning disabilities or deformities or sort of things of that nature. Hence the title, undatables Now, that title is a little... Uh, Misleading because this is a show about how they are getting dates. So there you go. The heartwarmingness comes in that it's people who, perhaps without services such as this, would at the very least, I would say, have difficult times finding dates in sort of normal meeting in a bar, or whatever, however you meet people nowadays, I don't know, <laughs> fashion. Yeah, how do you, how do you meet people nowadays? I did my fair share of internet dating years ago, uh, before I was married. I should perhaps specify, although the missus doesn't listen. So, hey, whatever. Uh, and I met the missus on the playground when she was a little girl. Oh, that sounds so, so bad until I continue on with my explanation that I was a little boy at the time. Hmm. Much, much more sense. We uh, went to grade school together, met in, I don't know, grade one or two or somewhere in there, and then did not sort of hang out, as the kids say or said, uh, during the course of high school, and then I moved close to where she lived with her parents, um, was it six years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood, and then the rest, as they say, is history, or perhaps her story, um, depending on if you are a feminist or not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, back into Undateables. Uh, I just really, really like it. It either has sort of two scenarios for me, and that is these people will be sent out on dates, and they'll sort of hit it off, and they'll talk about love and how they're sort of the happiest they've ever been, And stuff like that. And it really, really, really does just hit sort of that sweet spot of seeing people happy because they are finding people to communicate and connect with. Love, lady. There is occasionally the other scenario of it not going so well, which I really, really do. I really, really do not like. And it hits me hard. It feels... Man, like sometimes I feel like it's hitting me harder than it is hitting these people who are going out on dates, and then it's just going horribly. I just feel for them so much. Uh, Luckily, I would say it is a good ratio of dates working out well to not working out well. So, at least there's that. What I've done, now that I've sort of explained the show as a whole, I've brought back some of the uh, dates that happened during this particular episode. Aha! So quite often in this podcast in general, we'll start vague, as I did, explaining the show as a whole, and then move in to the Pacific, or specific, if you prefer, and talk about the show episodes themselves. Uh Haha! Uh, I think this followed the formula that it normally does, which is three people and three separate dates. It's an hour-long show, I should say. Uh, so the first date... They'll sort of uh, film these, well, I don't know how they'll film them, but they'll show these sort of interspersed, so it won't be all devoted to one guy and then finish with him and then move on to the next person. It'll sort of jump back and forth between these three different people, uh, which is a good way to do it, I think. Uh, The first gentleman was a man by the name of Sam. Sam has Down syndrome, and (laughs) the, the best thing about Sam is that he and his father are like, <laughs> it's almost like an old married couple combined with a couple of uh, swinging bachelors. Uh, I assume the older, you never see the mom, so I assume the old guy's a bit of a bachelor. And they sort of joke with one another, total friggin' sarcastic, oozing out of their very pores. I love sarcasm. <laughs> no, no, I, I actually do love sarcasm. So uh, these two sort of riffing on each other. Hit some of my comedy sweet spots and very much enjoyed it. Then you have on top of that Sam on his first, I believe it was his first date ever. Yeah, I think they did. I think they did say that. And that is quite often seems to be the case on this show that these are sort of these people's first dates. Uh, he took his date to the zoo. Oh, a good idea. Something about. Most, if not all of these, no, not all of them, but most of these dates through this service, uh, they will, at least the first date or the first handful of dates have chaperones from the dating service accompany them, which that sort of made me curious of how much this dating service costs, because they're putting in a lot of time. They're going out to meet each person sort of individually, doing one-on-one interviews. Then when the dates actually happen, a chaperone from the service has to be present. So it's a lot of sort of time and footwork and effort involved. So I imagine they have to be making a decent, uh, decent wage, as they say over there. However, maybe they're doing it sort of out of the goodness of their hearts to help people find love that may not otherwise find it. Hmm. That's a nice thought, although I don't think it's true. <laughs> Let's pretend it is true, because I'm in that sort of heartwarming mood right now, thinking of this show. Uh, the girl that Sam with, went out with, uh, she had another sort of, I don't think, no, she wasn't Down Syndrome, but had sort of a uh, learning disability. That's what the, the, the narrators would say about a lot of these people that they have learning disabilities she uh i like this girl man freaking i would have gone out with her she she freaking laughs at everything seems like she was having a uh, awesome time no matter what was happening just laughing and freaking having a gay old time as they used to say back in the day and that rhymes and you know it rhymes that worked out well the one sort of downside of this particular one is that the missus and I saw another episode probably a couple weeks ago that was sort of a recap of various dates, and this was one of them. So, at the end of this episode, they started dating regularly and were quote-unquote boyfriend and girlfriend. However, I kind of now know that it didn't work out in the long haul, which saddens me, but, as they say, better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all, so there you go. The next one was a guy by the name of Hayden. He had a sort of facial deformity brought on by a uh, sort of genetic disease, I guess it was, called Cruzon Syndrome, which uh, kind of, it was one side of his face was basically just uh, lower than the other, I, I think is kind of the easiest way to explain it. When he had, actually, he wore his hair in such a way that it would cover a lot of, uh, portion of his face. Kind of looked a little emo with that haircut, actually. Uh, and then if he had on sunglasses, you really, you'd have a tough time telling. However, when he took them off, uh, you could tell that, say, trying to go up to a girl in a bar would be difficult to do. The other sort of twist of his story was that Hayden had a brother, a twin brother named Ashley. Ashley who was 100% quote-unquote normal. So uh, very, very interesting. Imagine growing up in that family where a set of twins, one growing up normal-looking and one not, and uh, what that would sort of do to your personality. They both seem to get along very well. Hayden, at least one in the name department. He's not named Ashley. Uh, I only make fun because I, too, am cursed with a not-exactly-masculine name. His date did not go as well. Well, it it seemed to go well. Uh, What they did was actually kind of cool. They went on, I don't know if it's the world's biggest Ferris wheel, but that sort of giant Ferris wheel in London that goes many, many stories tall. Him and his date went up on that thing. Uh, There were some tense moments on that because apparently he has some hearing problems, I guess, because of this deformity. And for quite a period on this, maybe had something to do with the change in height, uh, he couldn't hear. So, slowed the date down a bit. Uh, Something interesting about this, and I suppose, was the fact that from the sounds of it, this girl who went out with him would have done so again. However, he sort of called it off. So despite it being his first date and his him sort of getting his feet wet in the dating pool for the very first time, he didn't uh, immediately fall in love with his very first date. So I think it's smart on him to, uh, you know, see what's out there, but you gotta do it. Lastly was a girl by the name of Callie. Callie had something called Williams Syndrome which uh, is sort of otherwise known as sometimes uh, Elfin Syndrome, which apparently makes you have sort of Elfin features and also gives you a bit of a learning disability as well. Something that the syndrome, according to Callie, as well as her mother does, is if you have it, no matter of sort of your birth parents, your race, your gender, whatever, you're all going to sort of have very, very similar features. So kind of an interesting, just from a scientific point of view, that in no way a genetic abnormality, let's call it, could cause unrelated people to look like one another. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Uh she went to a dance party, because apparently the the people who run this dating service will occasionally throw dance parties for their members, sort of a singles wingin'. Not swingers, because that is something else, but sort of a singles dance. She immediately hooked up, well, hooked up is not perhaps the right word, but uh, met a guy by the name of Timmy. (laughs) Timmy also uh, had a learning disability, and uh, they hit it off right away, got their dance on, and then went on a date. The strange thing, and both of Mrs. and I agreed on this one, is uh, Callie and Timmy hit it off, like, friggin' nobody's business, I've never seen the date go this well, Uh, seem to be heading towards a path that can involve love and marriage and who knows what else. However, almost at the snap of a fingers, Kelly sort of soured on the whole experience. It was was very strange to see. I don't know if it was through sort of editing done by the creators of the show, or if it actually happened that fast, but it was just like, having a good time, having a good time, snap your fingers, Oh, well, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, okay, we'll see. That was sort of the, the indicator for me, the fact that Timmy kept trying to set things up for in the future. And the repeated word, the repeated use of the uh, the phrase, we'll see, from Callie was sort of the, the death knell, knoll, toll. The death toll, the death knoll, the death now, the death thing of their quote-unquote relationship. Okay, so there you go. Why don't we end it there with that little piece of advice for dating either dateables or undateables that if you are trying to set up future dates and you get the response we'll see, Uh, that is not good. It is in fact bad and you should give up perhaps. Hmm. Sadness. Ending it on a sad note. Overall though uh, it is a very, very heartwarming show and I do recommend it to you. Folks, that is a TV Tuesday. That is a TV Tuesday completed, so I will say as I do, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lacadaisical Libra Cubical Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you.